Thank you. Thank you very much for having us back at Montmorency. It's good to be here and it's good to have the opportunity to share in this series around the book of Proverbs. And uh, I've been asked to speak on the subject anger in the book of Proverbs and it seemed to me that it was important to start by saying, by asking the question, why on earth would you need to speak on anger in a Christian church? <laughs> well, I'll give you three reasons and you can add a few to it. One of them is that anger lies at the root of wars, domestic and street violence, road rage, personal and relational conflict, and depression. One woman dies every week in Australia at the hands of a partner or an ex-partner. In fact, last year it was more than one a week. It was about 1.5. Every three and a half minutes across Australia, the police are called out to a domestic violence event where an angry man has beaten his wife or his children and sometimes where an angry teenager has beat up on his or her parents. It seems to me that the only crime across Australia that is not currently on the decrease is anger-generated crime. The second good reason why we should be talking about anger is that while anger itself is a neutral and normal emotion, there's only one of four common ways of dealing with anger that's healthy. You know, there's, there's other common ways like repression, denying that I am angry doesn't really work. Suppression being angry but sticking it down inside, that doesn't work either. Expression of anger when it involves abuse, verbal abuse or physical abuse or emotional abuse is not healthy either. And we'll talk about the one healthy one a little later on. And then the third reason is that the scripture warns us against the destructive power of anger. It warns us about how much pain and woundedness anger causes for both the angry person and the person at the other end of that anger. I heard that your speaker took you back when they were talking about pride, took you back to the Garden of Eden. If I took you back to the Garden of Eden and asked you what was the first negative emotion mentioned in the Garden of Eden, what would you say it was? It was fear. It was fear. When Adam sinned and God came walking in the garden, Adam and Eve had sinned, they, they hid from God. And when God asked them why they were hiding, they said, we are naked and we are afraid. Psychologists tell us today that anger is not a primary emotion, it's a secondary emotion and it rises out of fear. 
Now we have a medical word that we use for fear these days because we're much more civilised and, and we use the word anxiety. So it's quite okay to suffer with anxiety. But really what we're talking about is fear and fear was the first negative emotion described in the scriptures. A little later on, Cain kills Abel out of anger. Anger rises out of fear. Let me ask you another question. What's the opposite in the Bible? What is the word that is used as the opposite to fear? Well, it's the word love. Perfect love casts out fear. The opposite to fear is love. What would you say then is the opposite to anger? It's grace. It's grace. When I express anger in a situation, it's it's the alternative to expressing grace. It's much easier for me out of my fear of being hurt or rejected or wounded or devalued It's much easier for me to respond in anger than it is to offer grace. Anger is a natural emotion. Grace is something God gives. Every person in the world that is hurt is hurt because of limited grace or unextended grace or withheld grace. And when it's not grace, it's anger. So let's have a look at, uh, at some of the things Proverbs say about anger. Basically, and you can open your Bibles and come with me on a little journey if you like uh, through uh, Proverbs. Basically, Proverbs tells us what sort of people become angry and what sort of people don't. Proverbs doesn't give us a lot of information about how to deal with anger. What it does is it describes who becomes angry and who doesn't very explicitly. Starting with uh, Proverbs 29, Proverbs 29 and 11. Proverbs 29 and 11 says, Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. He is comparing here, as he does often, the behaviour of a foolish person and a wise person. If a decision can be made about not getting angry, it's going to be made out of applying wisdom to the situation rather than emotion to the situation. Now, I I am sure, I I don't know whether you have been the victim of road rage. 
I have been twice, that probably says something about my driving, but, but on one occasion I was driving my car on my own along the freeway in the days when there were uh, traffic lights at Turak Road and I was driving my car along the freeway when I realised there was a man behind me uh, tailgating me right up, almost up my exhaust pipe and, uh, and he was revving his motor and I looked in the windscreen and he was red-faced and abusive and I thought, wow, I can't remember doing anything to make him <laughs> that angry but there he was. And then he was getting so angry he wanted to eyeball me so he pulled out really quickly, ended up a couple of lanes across from me and, and there he was abusing me and, and I didn't know what to do. So, so I extended grace and waved to him. <laughs> I realised that that was probably the worst thing that I could have done but but the problem with waving to him just at that moment was that the lights were red and we were stopping at Turak Road and, uh, and I thought this, this is bad and sure enough he jumps out of his car and being a brave soul I locked the door and, and he came across to my car and just then the lights turned green and I took off and the last thing I saw of him was standing in the middle of the road shaking his fist. Now I don't know, I am sure that he was a very intelligent man but at that moment he was not applying wisdom to the situation he was being ruled by his emotions and in all sorts of ways we, we are ruled by our emotions and at that point of time we don't ask God for wisdom as James says we should. Look at another verse, it's 19.11 this time, just go back 10 chapters. A person's wisdom yields patience it's one's glory to overlook an offence. Do you know one of the causes, common causes of anger is being offended. People say things or do things and we say they offended us. In fact it's a very common thing to talk about this in the community these days. When we talk about what is politically correct to say in certain situations because if you use certain words you will offend somebody. In fact I heard a speaker uh, from Canada telling us uh, that, that in Canada where the same sex uh, marriage law has been uh, now for more than 20 years that, that sometimes a gay couple will come to a church and uh, they will hear uh, a verse in the scripture that, that, uh, that they think condemns homosexuality and they can go to the authorities and say we were offended by that. And I, I want to tell you that this speaker said that if that happens the authorities are honour bound to go to that minister's house 
go through his computer, go through his library and then decide whether they will charge him because someone was offended and if they charge him and he is found to be guilty he will pay a fine of something like $5,000 and it will cost nearly that much also to defend the case if he chooses to do so. We live in a society that gets very easily offended but you see I, Julia and I have been in ministry for, for 50, 56 years and, and, and I know that, that sometimes often Christians can get offended right when we believe something really strongly or we're committed to a particular way of seeing something or doing something and somebody else does it differently we are offended by it I pastored a church 56 years ago where it shifted the piano and I nearly lost my job It is that's right I wasn't laughing at the time. People can be offended very simply and this proverb says that a person's wisdom yields patience. Instead of being offended, I overlook an offence. It's amazing, isn't it? Overlook an offence. I choose not to take offence. And then I want you to turn with me to Proverbs 15.1. Proverbs 15.1. Again we learn about the two types of people, the one who avoids anger and the one who causes anger. And we read the words here, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. There's a lot in the scripture about words. You heard about it last week and, and, and soft words and gentle words are often talked about as being positive things. doesn't mean that they're not, they're not very frank words and not very honest words. They are. Sometimes you have to speak the truth. Sometimes the truth has to be told. But the promise here is if it's told gently then it's a lot easier for people to handle but a harsh word a word we haven't thought about a word that just comes out a word that's motivated by anger is going to stir up the anger in another person as well harsh words thoughtless words can be spoken very, very easily in the heat of the moment. And then in Proverbs 15 again, and this time in verse 18, so just go up, uh, 17 verses, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Now, now, here is an interesting truth that you will find if we had time to go through all the scripture we would find this to be true. There are some people who get angry. We, we, we can identify with that. There are other people who are 
angry. It is appropriate sometimes to describe a person as an angry person. We see their whole disposition is influenced, is angry. They look at life in an angry manner. They react in an angry manner. Now I am not saying that the angry person isn't angry without justification. I lived the first 17 years of my life or from 5 years of age to 17 years of age absolutely possessed by anger. Somebody could say one word to me and I'd be in a fight. I had more fights in the Lean Gather High School I'm sure than any other student in its entire history. And that's not an idle claim. You know why? If you were being, if you were caught having a fight in the league at the high school, the, si- the, the, the siren would blow, and the whole school would be called up out of their sporting activity, <laughs> around the tennis courts, and the two protagonists would have their gloves put on, and you would have to fight, box, on the tennis court, and all the school would be there, and they would hate you. <laughs> because you had just wrecked their playtime. <coughs> I may have been the most hated kid at school for that reason. Why was I angry? I was angry because as a five-year-old and a six-year-old I was abused two or three times a week by a school teacher, sexually abused. That's why I was angry. Nobody is going to tell me I wasn't justifiably angry. Nobody is going to say that it is not right to be angry because you're abused, but it is not right for anger to so possess you that you begin to destroy and damage the lives of others. And there are angry people around in the world who who have got every reason in the world to be angry, but it doesn't mean that anger will not destroy them and destroy others. And there are ways of dealing with anger or one healthy way and I'm going to tell you that at the end but I just want to keep saying to you that, that anger can be a justifiable thing but it doesn't justify hurting and destroying others. Come with me now to uh, chapter 16 and, and verse 32, Proverbs 16 and verse 32 and, and here we read, Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Warriors down through history are venerated as heroes. Warriors win wars and liberate nations. But the truth is that warriors also kill people and maim people and hurt people. And in Proverbs we read that a patient person who resolves conflict in a non-warrior fashion, a person 
who exercises self-control is more impactful than one who takes a city. You can win an argument, brothers and sisters. You just have to raise your voice a little bit, go red in the face, use a harsh word or two and possibly the person you're arguing with will back off and you'll go away and you will think you've won the argument but you've lost you've lost an aspect of that relationship better is the patient person than the warrior one with self-control the one who takes the city and then then come again with me to 22 chapter 22 and verse 24 Proverbs 22:24 do not make friends with a hot-tempered person do not associate with one that is easily angered that's an interesting proverb it's sort of instructing us to choose our friends appropriately and we're going to talk about that next week, friendship, but it's an interesting verse, isn't it? Because sometimes the people, the people that we minister to are angry people and it's right that we should be there. It's right that we should be extending grace. But this proverb is about if you're choosing someone to share your life with, to share your journey with, then choosing an angry person may be a very unwise thing to do. And in 14, go back to Proverbs 14, verse 29, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. I'm not sure what to make of of the term quick-tempered. I, I, we do talk about people who have short fuses, don't we, today? He's got a short fuse, you know. Just be gentle with him. Or we, we hear of people who say, oh, when it comes to so-and-so, you just have to walk on eggshells all the time. I guess that's what it means by quick-tempered. But I'm not quite sure whether that's a personality trait or an inappropriate coping mechanism. And they're different. My anger was a coping mechanism. It was used to to keep from getting hurt again. Sometimes the short-fused person, the angry person, may in fact be using anger as a coping mechanism. And if they are, that's, that's fine for them, but it's not fine for anybody else. It's painful and hurtful and there are much better protective mechanisms than that. So, just wrapping up here a little bit, I wanted to say there are two key verses about anger in the book of Proverbs, two key verses. One is in um, 17.27, 17.27 if you want to look it up, and it says this, One who restrains his or her words has knowledge and he or she who has a cool spirit cool, I like that 
is a person of understanding. One who restrains their words has knowledge and they have a cool spirit and they are a person of understanding. It's interesting here that that the, the concept of knowledge, what sort of knowledge enables you to control quick temper? Well, I want to suggest to you it's the knowledge of grace. It's the knowledge of Christ. It's the knowledge of redemption. It's the knowledge of being set free. It's the knowledge of being made whole. It's the knowledge of the holy. It's the knowledge that is not secular knowledge. It's a knowledge that doesn't come from our cognitive processes. It's a knowledge that feeds into our lives. Just as love is a gift of God and grace is a gift of God, so knowledge is a gift of God. This sort of knowledge. Paul said, I want to know Christ and to be found in Him. He wants to go on knowing Him more and more and more. It's that sort of knowledge. It's drawing closer to God. It's finding God in the frustrating situations of life. It's seeing God in the person who is aggravating you. It's that sort of knowing. It's that sort of knowledge. I want to compare that verse with James 4.10 and it says humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and, and he will lift you up we've been hearing about being lifted up Jesus was lifted up but as we humble ourselves we are lifted up out of the, the pit of aggression and anger and hostility into, into the, the grace of God the second key verse in Proverbs about anger is 19.19 Chapter 19, verse 19. A man of great anger anger will bear the penalty. For if you rescue him, you'll only have to do it again. Meaning that, that if he's given over, a person, man or woman, is given over to anger, you might rescue them time and time again but you will keep doing it again and again because his anger is his, is his driving force or her driving force. If you compare that um, with, uh, with this verse that says Know this my beloved brothers and sisters let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger for a person's anger does not produce the righteousness of God. We're never ever going to achieve God's plans or God's purpose when negative emotion overrules the offering of grace. Do we understand that? It's so important to understand that. If you're a married person, you need to understand that. If you're working in a community, you need to understand that. If you're wanting to reflect Christ in, in, in a place where most people don't know him, then you've got to understand that. That you will never achieve the purposes of God 
through anger. Now I am sure because I've never spoken at a church yet about anger when somebody doesn't come up to me and say, what about righteous anger? Surely there's a lot of things in the world today that we should be righteously angry about. Well, I understand what you mean but before we sort of talk about it let me tell you that the word in the, the, Hebrew, the, the Greek word that is translated righteous indignation in the Bible means literally to love and hate at the same time. Now if you can do that then you're being righteously angry but the possibility is that no human being, no person other than God can actually do that because you see there's only one thing that God hates, sin and among all the other things that he loves is the sin. And so he demonstrated on the cross that he could hate sin with the deepest hatred that you could possibly imagine and yet he loves the sinner with the most amazing love that you could ever, ever imagine in your own mind. And he does it all at the same time. I am known as a microphone wrecker, but this is the first time I've wrecked a pulpit. So, so do you hear my, you're hearing my point here. That, that I think if we want to justify our anger by using the word righteous anger, then we need to be careful that we are hating sin at that moment but loving the sinner with a deeper love than can be described by words. I, I am not sure that I am capable of righteous indignation, but I know that God will give me the capacity if I ask him for it to love the unlovely. So a question remains that Proverbs doesn't actually answer and the question is how then will we deal, how should we deal with the anger described in the book of Proverbs? Well I want to give you four things and if you want to you can write these down because you need to reflect on them. It's not just enough hearing them from me today you need to go home and over a period of time you need to reflect on these words because some of us may need to apply them to ourselves and others of them will find them very useful if we are counselling or helping others. Often children, often teenagers um, express a great deal of anger. How would you help them? How would you help members of your own family who, who are angry? So here are four things and as I say, if you want to write them down, that's good. Recognise, firstly, number one, recognise that anger is always destructive. Now, what I mean by that, it is destructive if you express it in a destructive manner 
like verbally or physically it's, it's, it's destructive to the person at the other end of that but it's destructive to you if you internalise it and suppress it and push it down then you pay the price when I said anger lies at the root of depression one of the first questions we ask somebody who is depressed is who are you mad at? And often that sort of anger is pushed down deep into our, into our lives so that it begins to affect the way we feel, it begins to affect our capacity to sleep, to, to, to relax. It begins to impact our health in all sorts of ways. Anger is always destructive even when it's justified. That's the catch, isn't it? Of course I'm angry. I've got a right to be angry. That's often true. But it doesn't stop that anger from being destructive. And then the second thing to do is to ask the question, where does this anger come from? Where does it come from? Is it, as I said before, the result of a, a very deep hurt and I've now used my anger as a, a, a protective mechanism. Is that where it comes from? Is it just that I don't exercise self-control, that I, I've found it's easier to be angry than it is to be patient? Just try to identify where that is. Do some honest seeking about that. Get someone you love to, to talk to you about that and give you some insights from their perspective. Um, whatever it takes, ask the question, where does anger come from? And then thirdly, deal with the cause of your anger. For me, I had to, I had to go to God. I had to recognise that even though my anger was justified, I needed to, to recognise that through my anger I was hurting others and I needed to confess that and seek God's forgiveness for that. If you hurt your husband or your wife by your anger, then you need to go to God and confess that as a sin to God and then you need to go to your wife or your husband and confess it to them and ask them to forgive you. You mustn't take it for granted that they've lived with you for 40 years and they, they, they will always forgive you for it whether you ask or not. You don't know how many times you've driven a nail into their hearts by the words that you say and, and you need to come and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I know better than that, I, I could have done better than that but I, I could have dealt with my anger before and I come to say, I'm sorry. That's the first thing. And the second thing is if there are people in my life, in my past that, that, that I have not forgiven, that will be a source of anger. And I need to go back and say, Lord, help me forgive those who have wounded me in the past. The huge task that faces Australia right now is to help, help all these middle-aged and older men and women who were abused 40 years ago 
50 years ago to deal with the anger that drives some of them to suicide, that's broken relationships. Someone has to say what the answer is and the answer is when I understand that God forgave me when I was unworthy and I need to learn how to forgive those who are unworthy of forgiveness. God didn't even wait for me to say I was sorry. He forgave me through the cross and then He invited me to come and say I was sorry. We can't wait till the people who hurt us say they're sorry. They might be dead already. We need to come to God and say, God, I release them. I set them free from the pain, from, from, from the obligation to suffer for the pain that they have caused to me. And then the fourth thing, and I want to say this really, really um, sensitively, but it is really important for Christians, and that is to ask God to refill you with the Holy Spirit. Where does grace come from? Where does love come from? What, what, what will deal mostly with anger and rage and malice? What does Paul say in Ephesians? It is the Spirit of God. And sometimes we have, we have quenched the Spirit by our anger. Brothers and sisters, it's possible that you and I at different times of our lives have quenched the Spirit so He no longer has the freedom and the liberty and the power to work in our lives that He once had. We talk about losing our fire and losing our enthusiasm. I want to tell you there's only one way you can do that and that is by quenching the Spirit. And, and when you've recognised what it's, it is that's quenched the Spirit, then you need to confess it and then ask Him, Father, fill me, fill me, fill me afresh, fill me anew, that I might know Your power in my life. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank You we just want to thank you that you've led us down this path today. And Lord, I just want to pray for any man or woman in this place this morning who is wrestling with some of these things for themselves or maybe wrestling with some of these things for other people. Lord, will you speak into their lives today? Will you give them the light that they need and the courage to act on that light. Father, thank you. Thank you for the great love wherewith you have loved us. Thank you for the abundant grace that we have experienced, that we have received and that we have the capacity through the Spirit to reflect. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.